0: Uh, hey, I moved to Sweden from the U.S. Uh, eight years ago, and uh, I've kept my old number from the city that I used to live in, in the U.S., and I want to keep this Google phone number alive, and I can't do it with a Swedish phone number. Google keeps threatening to get rid of it because I don't use it so much, but the thing is I do use it for all this weird transactional stuff with credit cards and accounts and stuff so once every two months I think that's been happening in the past year I've been calling the secrets hotline to give google the impression that I'm really using this phone number to make phone phone calls rather than all the other crap I use it for so yeah my secret is That I use the phone number from the Secrets Hotline to um, keep my Google phone number alive.
1: From Love and Radio, you're listening to the Secrets Hotline at nine two nine Secrets. I'm Nick Vanderkolk.
2: Hey Nick, I just wanted to put a message out to anyone who thinks they can express their shit fucking opinions in the workplace to a general audience. I want to say my secret is I'm the fucking trans person who you think is this that's sitting there listening to what you have to say when you think you're among friends. (laughs) And I can't express how tired I have become of having to stay silent for my own safety I'm completely at my wits' end. And I want cis men to be afraid to express these fucking opinions. I want them to be afraid to be transphobic, to be sexist, to be racist, to be homophobic. I want them to think twice because the discourse that I'm privy to is appalling and I can't believe these people feel comfortable saying these things. It makes me so upset. (laughs) And um, I'm going to start swinging. (laughs) I really am.
3: That's all. so this secret is probably going to sound so disgusting but it's just something i've just been holding and keeping a secret for like a long time um I drink my period blood um I've been doing this for a while now and uh, (laughs) yeah I feel so so much better just telling everyone anonymously because I feel like a lot of people would just think I'm just a weirdo (laughs) but yeah um thank you for listening
4: Hi, Nick. This is the PhD. I'm responding to your call for happy secrets. So my secret revolves around an award I won for my PhD. I won quite a prestigious award. It was worth more than 10 grand. I was happy. I was proud of my work. The application process was rather lengthy. Several months later, I found out that I'd won it. I also found out that I was the only applicant or the only person recommended for this award. So I was I was had fancy ceremonies to receive the award, I was invited to give talks, I was wined and dined by senior academics, all with the knowledge that uh that the only reason I had this was that I was the only applicant. So I still proudly have it on my, on my CV, and I tell people about how amazing my PhD was because of this award. But secretly, they had no choice but to choose me.
5: All right, so here's my secret. Growing up, I idolized my dad, as many sons do. My dad was great in many ways. Uh, however, he was not the uh, perfect image of health. And neither was my grandfather, his dad, um, who died of a massive heart attack at 52, had his first heart attack at 38. Uh, and my dad was kind of following in his footsteps. His uh, diet was mainly uh, soda and fast food. And he smoked two packs of cigarettes a day my whole childhood. So, of course, when I was getting older, probably middle school, I started secretly smoking cigarettes too, getting older friends to buy them for me and then even getting my older sister to buy them. Sometimes, of course, I got the same type of cigarettes that my dad smoked because I wanted to be like my dad. So one day, I was out with one of my friends. We were uh, outside in the snow, came back inside, dropped my jacket down and went upstairs to my room and about an hour or two later came downstairs. My mom looked very sternly at me and says, hey, your dad's in the kitchen. He wants to talk to you right now. So I walk over there and I see him sitting in the kitchen and in his hand, he's holding a pack of cigarettes, my pack of cigarettes, and staring straight at me. And of course, in the interim, my mom had got my jacket, was going to wash it, and found a pack of cigarettes. They must have had a pretty intense conversation because he was pretty somber when I went and spoke to him. And he tells me, if you never start smoking cigarettes, if you stop today and never start, then I will never smoke a single cigarette ever again in my life. He had tried a bunch of times, nicotine gum, nicotine patch, all that kind of stuff, never worked. And so I said, fine. And to this day, after that exact date, he had never smoked a cigarette ever again. He went from two packs a day to zero. Happy to say he's a lot older than my grandpa was, and he's doing well. I always tell people that best thing I ever did was start smoking cigarettes because I think it saved my dad's life.
6: During the pandemic, I started hooking up with my roommate. We were living with four other people at the time, and uh, I was pretty insistent on keeping it friends with benefits and keeping it a secret from all of our other roommates, which we did from March 2020 until sometime much later in the summer. It was exciting. And it was something to talk with my friends across the country about when there was this chasm of gossip uh, during that time, because nothing was going on. uh, So I got to be supplier. We are now several years out of that. We fell very much in love, and uh, I am moving in in August, Um, and... It was a very long-held secret that turned into one of the best things in my life.
7: I just wanted to call in about an episode that you guys ran on the 23rd about the woman and her mom, and she found the suicide note. And I just wanted to reach out to her and, and reach out to... Anybody else listening? Just say that it really resonated with me as somebody who has a mother with serious mental illness and substance use disorder, and has also heard her idealize suicide. Um, it was really affirming to like hear that reflected in such an honest way. I feel like I don't really get to have conversations with other people who have these kinds of relationships with their parent. It's always me, like, explaining it to a therapist or a friend or a family member, and that's great. I'm very grateful to have the support, but I feel like I'm really missing the understanding from
3: somebody else. Hey there, um, my name I'm a therapist. Sorry, I'm on a run. but I just had to call for the girl in the, I think it's called Friends and Sisters episode, whose husband is suicidal. So the thoughts he's expressing that she's responsible, et cetera, those are all like thoughts he's having because he's depressed, right? No non-depressed person would think those things or say those things. And in this context with him saying the things repeatedly, he's kind of crossed over into the realm of emotional abuse, right? Not really kind of like he has. So that is okay for him to have feelings like, you know, this is her fault, or if she just loved me more, or why can't she help me? She should be able to help me. It's okay to have those thoughts, but it's not okay for him to tell her those things. Those are completely inappropriate and they're not accurate, right? So I also wanted to tell her, like, you should not be able to help him. She's, I am assuming, not a psychiatrist or a mental health professional with like years of training. So in in no way, shape or form is she responsible for his well being, his mental health. And I just hope you can pass this on to her because I just, my heart goes out to her, and I just am so sorry that both well, she and here dealing with this depression flux. Oh, I could have stopped running. I guess I didn't stop running. Oh, well. Hi. I'm calling because I just listened to the podcast, the
8: one where the girl called in about her boyfriend who is threatening suicide, and I want to say that was so hard to listen to. And I think people are suicidal a lot, and it's not so usual that they make it another person's problem to solve. There were a number of instances you described that just sounded really awful. Um, And you're right, pain is not a competition. You're suffering and this is valid. If you Google coercive suicide threats and coercive control, I think you'll recognize a lot of what you've been experiencing. And I hope that you will take someone you trust into your confidence. Also, I think I want to recognize that you're not in your home country. So you're extra isolated and vulnerable, and that's part of this as well. You are not responsible for his choices. That's the main thing. It's absolutely awful that it's like a curse. like he like he wants to curse you with it. It's not really about whether he's going to live or die. It's really about how he wants to hurt you, is how it sounds. I hope that you get some help. I will keep you in my thoughts. Take care.
1: That's it for the Secrets Hotline, for now. This episode featured the music of Kishosis, Russ Young, and Porya Hatami. Check the show notes for links. Remember, you can always leave your own secret or any other feedback you might have about the show. The number, of course, is 929-SECRETS, or you can leave a voice message at secretshotline.org. As always, if you change your mind for whatever reason, just call back within 24 hours, and I won't publish the call. The Secrets Hotline is a labor of love and radio and made possible thanks to our supporters on Patreon. Thank you. If you want to help keep the show going, you can contribute at loveandradio.org slash member. Or if you don't have an extra cash lying around, you can help the show by writing a review in your favorite podcast app. Thank you. I'm Nicholas Sardine, Punch Punch. Him. Who gave you that nickname? That's some fucked up shit. Vandercolk. Thank you for listening.